My name is Jacob Stoops. And I'm Jeff Luella. And you're listening to the Page Two Podcast. This is our podcast about the people of the SEO industry. We chronicle the real life stories, experiences, challenges, and advice from some of the most amazing people in the business. In this week's episode, we welcome Jason Barnard, aka the Brand Serp Guy, founder and CEO of Calicube. Jason is a digital marketing consultant who specializes in brand SERPs and knowledge panels. He also hosts the Calicube Marketing Podcast, in which he talks with the smartest people in digital marketing on topics they know inside and out. We tell Jason's SEO story, in which he went from producing an internationally syndicated children's show called Boo Woo and Koala to a career in SEO. We also spend time paying tribute to Hamlet Batista, the late CEO and founder of RankSense and a guest on our show earlier this season. We share our stories and talk about the outpouring of grief and support within the industry. We can't promise that we'll do his legacy justice, but we felt it appropriate to pay our respects. Rest in peace, Hamlet. Hey, everybody. This is Jacob Stoops, uh, Director of SEO at Search Discovery. We are back for episode number 63 of the Page Two podcast, and I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Jeff Luella, Senior Technical SEO at The Wirecutter, a division of the New York Times. Jeff, how is it going? Hey, howdy. Hey, it's going great. It's going great. Uh, I wish I could say the same. I don't, uh, I think that that's just one of those things that you just say. And, and quite honestly, uh, it's not going, it's not going great. This has been a really, uh, a really hard week. Um, and you know, we'll certainly, we'll certainly touch on, touch on that, uh, quite a bit this episode. Um, normally we banter uh, a little bit. We're going to kind of skip through that. Uh, and today we're going to bring on our guest early because we do have, um, a lot to talk about. I will say, that uh, for this episode, it's going to be a little bit different. Uh, if you are wanting to listen to something that's a little more happy-go-lucky, like our other episodes where we joke around and talk shop, we'll, we'll talk shop this episode. Um, but I can't promise that it is going to be happy-go-lucky, right? Um, so just know that going in. Uh, so if you want to skip this, we totally, uh, totally understand. But we do want you to listen to our guest story because it is uh, it is uh, an incredibly good story. Uh, and with that, let's bring on our guest. Uh, so Jason Barnard, the brand SERP guy at Calicube. How's it going, Jason? It's going very well. But as you said, terribly sad yeah. last couple of days. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm personally doing well in Paris in France. Yes, uh, abs- absolutely. Um, so, you know, I think we, we, we just, if you, if you've been living under a rock in the SEO community, um, you, uh, I'm sorry, sorry to let you know, but I'm pretty sure most people know already that, uh, Hamlet Batista, CEO and founder of rank sense, uh, sadly passed away, um, earlier this week, uh, sounds like from COVID from everything that I've read. Uh, and it has been, um, gosh, there's been kind of an outpouring of support, uh, from the SEO community, but man, it is, this one is, I'm not going to lie. It's kind of hit me, 
um, it's hit me really, really, really hard. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna like, you know, go out there and say that I knew Hamlet uh, super well. And I'm pretty sure that a lot of folks in the industry are kind of in the same in the same boat. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever met Hamlet in person. If so, I'd love to share uh, share stories. And quite honestly, we're going to talk about Hamlet a lot on this episode. Um, you know, I'll relate kind of my own personal stories, having uh, seen his work from afar and having uh, met him virtually a couple of times. But um, I, I'll just start it off by saying we interviewed Hamlet uh, for the podcast in November um, and it's a great interview. If you, if you, you know, you want to go back and listen to his story, uh, I don't want to be promotional or anything like that, but, um, if you just want to hear his voice, see him talk, uh, it was just an incredibly low key, uh, interview and he drops all kinds of knowledge almost from start to finish as he kind of, uh, tells his, tells his story. But I've been thinking a lot about it. And one of the things, uh, you know, when you're running a podcast and that podcast is heavily predicated on interviews, I can promise you that although, you know, as a human being, everybody is going to die someday, you never anticipate that, you know, either yourself or, or, or one of your guests, that that's going to happen to them. Um, so, you know, as we, as we book people and more people, my, you know, my hope is that this doesn't, happen and happen again um it, it, you know it just <laughs> it it sucks to imagine because i you know we talked to him in november and i talked to him uh through our company in december uh right before the holidays and he was perfectly healthy happy um and it's just you know kind of a mind bender to to really think about how fleeting life can be uh and how like you can be here and healthy one day and be gone, uh, gone the next man. It's just a mind bender. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's over what we've all been battling for the last year, you know, it's, uh, with, with COVID, which is, which is intense. Cause I've known a bunch of people who've gotten it and, you know, it didn't affect them nearly that way, but that's the issue with this disease is that it's, it, it comes and like, 90% of the people will be fine, but those 10% we're going to have some struggles. And then, and that 1% from there is just can't overtake mm -hmm. it. And, and, you know, the, all the respirators and hospitals in the world are still trying to fight this and hospitals are, you know, filled to the max. So I, I, I really feel bad that aspect of things. Yeah. But yes. I, I've, I, I've known Hamlet for a little while. Uh, not again, I'm not going to say we're, we're best buds, but I've got to have dinner with them a few times and have some drinks with them at night. Um, which was great down in uh, Raleigh SEO um, when they would do their conferences, they would bring them in and, and I'm lucky that I could drive up there. And, and it was uh, always a great time. He was someone that I always looked at as inspiration. Um, you know, at first I, I've been doing tech SEO for a long time and I'm, I was just like, at one point I just thought like, Oh, there was no other tech SEOs. And then all of a sudden it seemed like they all just, every tech SEO just, all of a sudden got a mic and started talking <laughs> and, and Hamlet was one of those where I'm like, Holy crap. I don't even know anything that I thought I knew. Hmm. Um, you know, it's like, I used to be a dev, but like, I, like he's building all these different things. J.R. Oaks is another one of those. Mm -hmm. And, and that's actually having dinner with both of those. I really felt like an outsider that I had no clue what I was talking about anymore. Um, but at the same time, when you, we bring that up with them, they were very calm, like, you know, they're there to share as much information as they have. So it wasn't like, anyone was keeping secrets right they were just like hey like 
get on board and here's our GitHubs and you can practice. Like we're putting all our code out there. Maybe not all the code, but they're putting a lot of code out there. So I, I took that as just like, I love the open sourceness that they had and that they would put, like they would build stuff and give it out to the community. And, and Hamlet was a, a leader in that and, and really taught me a lot on just automation and, and things like that, because you get to, as a technical SEO, like automation is one of those things that, you know, you, even if you're, you know, helping the, the content content side of stuff, you're like, there's a technical solution for this. And, you know, I can run this through some sort of machine learning and, and we can help out and we can get nerdy with content also. So, and that's what it, what he's kind of taught me is that it's like, you don't have to just be about canonical tags. Um, you, you can still be a full fledged SEO on all sides and, and bring technical sides to the content. Um, so, and that was one of the, the things that I've really learned from him. I, I love that. Um, kind of what you just said, the, the, the idea, I mean, now you're saying it, kind of going through my little brain, um, you know, technical SEO who just said, a lot of this is really boring and we can do it loads better with machines. Let's figure out how to do it with machines. Genius. Um, I, I interviewed him for my podcast. Uh, I interview people who are terribly enthusiastic about what they want to talk about. And I say yeah. to them, you can talk about whatever you want. I will ask questions and I will get interested because you're enthusiastic. And he is yep. the only guest where from beginning on, I've got no idea what he's talking about. Uh, and I try to sound interested and try to sound uh, intelligent and try to ask the intelligent questions. But he was so far above my head uh, that I got to the end and, and I felt quite embarrassed. But there are a couple of things, one of which he was very kind about it. Yep. And the other of which is I think he thought I understood uh, so he was giving me much more credit than I was due. Uh, and then I met him a few times after that um, at conferences. I met him at SMX and we hung out and had a coffee. Uh, I didn't hang out with him an awful amount, um, but such a such a delightful guy. I mean, uh, the word that comes to my mind when I think of Hamlet is hug. Um, somebody I wanted to hug. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think I ever did hug him properly. Um <laughs> And, you know, that somebody who inspires the thought hug has to be somebody incredibly kind of valuable and wonderful and lovely to hang out with. And uh, I, 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 yeah, I, I, I really very, very sad news. I actually knew he was in hospital because we had um, a webinar series organized and he simply wrote and said, I'm in hospital with COVID and we're going to have to postpone the first one in the series. Uh, and now I kind of think I'm so stupid. I just didn't think he's in hospital. Therefore it's serious. Therefore I need to, you know, worry. I just thought he's in hospital, get out soon and we'll be fine. Yep. Uh, and it simply didn't occur to me. And I feel deeply, deeply foolish from that. Um, I, I know two people have died from COVID. Um, so I should have known better. Um, and I've got now I've got tears in my eyes. I didn't know as like you guys, I yeah, didn't know Hamlet didn't know. that well. And yet it's affected me more than I would have expected. Yeah. And I think that's partly yeah. because he was so active, partly because he was so generous, and partly because he's got that hug thing. Yeah, I think um I I share a, a very similar sentiment, like quite honestly. And nobody in my family has really like understood for me the the gravity, uh, you know, sitting on my couch Wednesday, Wednesday night, trying to figure out what to eat. And you know how you, you know how you, how it goes. You, you pop open your phone, you scroll through Twitter. And once I saw that and saw more 
tweets uh, coming across and realize, oh my, oh my God, this is this terrible thing has happened. This is true. I was quite honestly, I was shook. Um, and my poor family and kids, I told my wife what happened, but like, I don't feel like she fully understood the, the gravity um, in my poor kids. Cause I was in a, a, a quite an awful, quite an awful mood. And I wasn't like mean to them, but at the same time, like uh, I was like, guys, I know you want to play right now, but daddy is just not in, not in a, a, a good place right now. And I, and I can't play. And since the, you know, since that, the last couple of nights, I, I, I really have not been able to, to sleep well. And it speaks, I think, to the, to the impact that Hamlet had on the industry that I know he had a group of very close, very close friends. I can't imagine what they are going through. But if somebody like me who just admired his work from afar and only really met him virtually a couple of times can feel this about him and, and be this shook up, it just speaks to the gravity of the impact that he that he had on people. And I, I want to share kind of a little story, um, you know, behind the scenes from, a you know, that you don't get often, you know, when we talk about the, the, the podcast, it's mostly focused on, um, you know, as SEO kind of the, 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 you know, kind of the forward facing stuff, we rarely dive into the, what it's like to run a podcast behind the scenes, but we are now on episode 63. And I will say that there have only been a handful of guests that we've had on. Um, and it's not to like demean the other, the other guests, every, every guest we've had on has been on for a reason and they've been great, but there have only been a handful, I would say where I was like physically nervous uh, and intimidated uh, to speak to. Uh, and I would say definitely Hamlet falls into the category because you, from afar, he's, you know, that he's a genius. Uh, and I think that when I finally was able to interview him, he so quickly put me at ease. Uh, and he just started talking, uh, which, which was awesome. Like it, you know, in his episode, you'll notice that there's a lot less of us trying to pull things uh, out of him from an interview standpoint. He just started talking and dropped knowledge from start to finish. And I was able to just sit back and he really, really, in, in my opinion, like put me at ease and made me feel okay about not being at his level from a, from a knowledge standpoint. And I think that that, from what I've seen in the industry, like that's a pretty common uh, common thing. And quite honestly, for people that are that smart, uh, it is a gift to be able to put other people at ease like that when you know you're smarter than they are. And not only that, you know that they know that you're smarter than they are. And he was one of those people that was just able to put other people at ease that uh, made other people around him feel good, feel smart, feel included. Um, and feel like they mattered. Uh, and I can say that that certainly, um, you know, in our short time, and I'm, you know, I'm really sad that I won't ever be able to meet him in person now, uh, that that, uh, that did come through. Um, you know, he really put us put us at ease. Uh, and the parent in me now, you know, goes to his, uh, thinks about his family. And, you know, one of my personal worst fears outside of the irrational things like shark attacks and drowning is uh, passing away before my time uh, and not giving my children and my family a chance to say goodbye to me. So 
thinking of of COVID, I you know, and I certainly don't know the circumstances, you know, of his uh, his passing. But I've heard stories where people aren't even allowed to to go in. So like that's gut wrenching uh, to to imagine outside of just the fact that he was so young. Uh, and you know, as someone that has kids, I just can't even ma- imagine what his family is going through right now, and it's it's horrible. Um, it really is horrible, and that is one of my one of my worst fears. And gosh, uh, you know, I'm just really, really sorry that that this happened to him. You know, it sucks, and it's happening to a lot of people. Uh, you know, COVID is is horrible, and and Jason, you're right. You just you know, we've all probably at this point known people that have gotten COVID. Uh, we've known probably some people that have passed away. I have uh, one or two other people that I know that have passed away uh, from within my, not my direct circle, but, you know, extended circle. Um, but I've also known people close to me that have had it and been fine. Uh, so it is a, it is a disease at this point that is still not under control and that we still as a, you know, as a country, uh, you know, as a global community, we don't have control over this thing yet. And I would implore people um, continue to take precautions, wear masks, um, please uh, support, stay, support people around you, but for good God, stay away, uh, stay away. There will be a day when we can all be together again, um, you know, like things used to be, but let's take precautions now. Maybe we can save a few lives. Hundred percent. I mean, one of the strange things talking about hugs is how limited our capacity or our allowance of hugs is at the moment. Uh, my heart truly goes out to people who are living on their own. Um, excuse me. My uh, my daughter, because I, I, I was mm-hmm. travelling around the world last time I saw Hamlet. I was actually at SMX. I'm digital nomad. I don't have a home. Uh, my daughter allowed me to stay with her she's 23 and she's the only person i can hug yeah and you know at least i've got somebody yeah um i can't imagine what it's like for people who who live alone and don't have i mean obviously you can hug whoever you want but within the given circumstance at the moment the number of the number of hugs we're all getting is definitely not enough yeah Uh, and i'm really looking forward to the day that i can start hugging people again yeah. Um, just because I feel like it and they feel like it. And I'm, uh, I would consider myself lucky in that I've got, you know, my wife and three kids that were together. We've been together throughout this whole thing. And um, I've got plenty, plenty of hugs uh, from them that have, that have gotten me through. And I'm, you know, I hope that other people that are, you know, in a situation where they can't see their loved ones often can live vicariously through the people, hopefully that, are able to to get all the hugs that they need, but then things like this this happen, and it just makes me realize again. I hate to 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 sound like a broken record, but life um, even outside of COVID is so fleeting. You can walk out your front door and get hit by a car. So the thing that I always always try to live by, and I I have to be honest, I don't feel like I live up to it as much as I as I can. Is the um, live every day like you know like it's your like it could be your last because it could be your last uh nobody knows when they're when they're going to pass um and hug your loved ones say i love you uh you know to your loved ones me especially my my kids um 
you just never know when it's going to be your when it's going to be your last day. And and Jason, you know, like uh, you were saying, uh, scheduling a webinar with him and feeling feeling foolish, like you know, as I think back to our time. Uh, talking through my agency with with Hamlet and in trying to establish a partnership with his company in December and even in November the time he spent with us like gosh if if we had known what was coming I would have said no let's not do the I want to talk to you but no go spend time with your family um, but you just never know and it it I'm, I'm grateful to have gotten to speak to him before he passed um, but I'm really really sad that you know, in his last couple of months that, you know, I wish he would have taken, been able to, to take that time and, and, you know, reallocate it to somebody way more important than, than me or us. So um, what I will say uh, is, so Lily Ray uh, has set up a fundraiser uh, for Hamlet. And at the end of the episode, uh, you know, where we are going to, it's going to be a different episode. We are just going to end the episode by reading tributes uh, to Hamlet. That being said, um, if you have the resources uh, to donate, uh, you know, anybody, anybody that has lost somebody uh, unexpectedly knows that, uh, you know, funeral expenses, as well as the um, the cost of losing somebody and not necessarily having, uh, you know, that person's income coming into the family anymore. The cost is catastrophic. Uh, so if there's anything that that you we can do as a as a community, there is a GoFundMe page set up by Lily Ray. Uh, it is. I'm going to read the address, but quite honestly, you can Google Hamlet Batista GoFundMe, and it's right there at the top. Uh, but it is GoFundMe.com forward slash f forward slash in dash memory dash of dash hamlet dash batista please go there uh the gofundme is at uh pretty close to forty-two thousand. the goal is a hundred thousand um every little bit counts i know that we would probably all uh you know want to donate want to donate more um there are people that are that are that are being very generous um if you can donate uh we would certainly implore you to do that to to hopefully leave his family uh, you know, they're not going to be left in a great place, but to, to, so, to soften uh, the financial burden uh, is probably the best way that I can, that I can put it. So please help, uh, help reach that goal. The goal is a hundred hundred thousand. Uh, we're, we're about 42% of the way there. Uh, and Lily, uh, Lily Ray, um, you know, obviously you're his close friend and we do want to read your tribute at the end. Uh, if you're listening. And of course, thank you for setting, uh, setting that up. Okay, so uh, let's deviate. Uh, let's deviate just a little bit. Uh, and Jason, let's, um, let's talk about your, uh, <laughs> now that we've made, uh, made you extremely sad, now we're going to make you talk uh, a lot. Um, let's talk about your your story. I'm, I'm really, I'm really sorry. Really sorry. Um, how did you get well, started? Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I mean, I, I, I yes. Um, I, luckily my story is quite happy. So, um, hopefully Let's get we, happy. Can, we can, we can switch to, to, um, I mean, I come from a long way back, uh, grew up in the countryside in Yorkshire, um, in a reasonably well-off, intellectual family but in a tiny town of farmers uh, so I was an outsider from the beginning didn't have any friends terribly sad um, 
my mother left when I was four, making it even worse. So it starts sad, but it gets better. Uh, and then went to university, went to Liverpool. And that changed my life. Uh, turning up in Liverpool, joined a band, played in the Cavern Club. Um, so Liverpool was a wonderful experience for me. Became a musician. I did a degree in economics first, and I became a musician, moved to Paris, played the double bass in a punk, uh, a punk folk band, uh, nice. playing in the streets, making decent amounts of money. Uh, we used to jump in the metro trains and play music for people, and they passed the hat around. Uh, made a living doing that for a couple of years, and then toured Europe playing music and festivals and clubs and pubs because I, I really wanted to be a musician. And the nice thing about that is I can smile from the memory of when you're in a band like that and you're touring, we had a tour, a little tour bus, tiny tour bus. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would drive around, we were all convinced, I mean, fundamentally convinced that we would be playing stadiums in a few years time. And looking back, you realize, that's just so unrealistic. That's such a pipe dream. But yeah. we were we were deeply, deeply convinced it was going to happen. Um, and you just think, how naive do you have to be? But then if you weren't, you wouldn't do it. So uh, did that six years, that stopped. Um, and then my wife and I created characters for children. Um, I decided I was going to write a kid's music album and wrote some songs for kids and ended up writing 96 songs for children and had a website that was incredibly successful. I was a blue dog. This is the funnest part. I was a blue dog and she was a yellow koala. Uh, We created games and um, animations and songs online using Macromedia Flash at the time. Um, And lots of absolutely heartwarming stories. So I think if if I may, I'll share some heartwarming stories because it it is very... Because what we did is we created these characters and my ex-wife wasn't a very good singer. Um, so she, uh, she wasn't a very good singer and she was a bit, um, how can I put it? She could be silly when she wanted to be, uh, absolutely delightful lady. Um, and she played the yellow koala who was the child who didn't really know much about the world and was a bit annoying, sang out of tune, got the words wrong. And then the blue dog, which was my character, was the... The, a big brothery kind of, um, not big brother in the nasty 1984 sense, but in the in the being a nice big brother, elder brother, let's say, um, the blue dog who teaches Koala about the world without being condescending. So teaches a young child what the world is all about from the point of view of saying, it's not that you're stupid, it's just you haven't seen or you haven't yet understood. So it's presenting the world rather than teaching, which is a, a really nice, I, I really enjoyed doing that. Um, and I've got this big deep voice, so boo, I would talk like that, and that's very reassuring for the children. Uh, yes. And interestingly enough, um, my my voice changed actually over the years, um, and my character changed, my personality changed over the years from playing a really kindly blue dog. I wouldn't say I became kinder, but it it, it, um, it, it exaggerated or it brought out the kinder part of my personality that when I was a punk folk musician might not have been quite so uh, visible. Also having a daughter helped a lot, um, yeah. as you know, Jacob. Um, the, and and we, we, we made these games and we said, basically we started the site and we promised the children and the parents on the first day of every month, there will be a song, a story, two games and a manual activity the parents and the kids can do together offline. 
So it wasn't just online. So we had this idea as we would say, here, here are all your games. You've spent half an hour doing this or an hour doing this. Now go offline and make a hat, for example. Um, and we did that for nine years. Nine years, wow. every single month on the first day of the month, we would d deliver onto the site these these games. Um, and so every basically the last day of every month, if you wanted to know where I was going to be, it was in front of my desk finalizing the games because I built the games as well. And of course, kids, if you give them a game, a multimedia game, they will click on exactly the button or the combinations of buttons they're not supposed to. Uh, <laughs> so I would I would test my own games for six or seven hours all through the night and deliver them in the morning after not sleeping all night. Um, and what I kind of appreciated about that is I really felt I've promised this. We've promised to deliver and we can't not do it. Uh, and so we ended up with a very, very, very um, enthusiastic and what would you call it? Consistent following. Uh, we ended up with 5 million visits a month. Wow, that's uh, great. 20 million, uh, sorry, 5 million visits a month and 100 million page views. Um, so the kids would, would look would every month, uh, sorry, every visit, sorry, would go through 20 pages. Obviously, some of that's navigation, but that's a pretty big number. Uh, and you would have, you know, sessions, kids playing for an hour. Uh, and we would have them, we would have an encouragement after an hour to say, now go and do something else, please. Um, and from a business perspective, that's a really bad idea. But from a being a nice person perspective, it's obviously a very good idea. Yeah. And we, we, and I wrote the songs and the idea for the songs was I would write songs that, would be insertable into everyday life naturally. So I wrote a song called We Love Snow. So when it's snowing, you would sing We Love Snow. Another one about the windy day, another one about a sunny day, another one about, oh, without my glasses, I can't see, I can't see properly. Without my glasses, I can't see, but I can sing this song. And I meet people who say, my children watch that show and that those songs torture me because they would sing it over and over <laughs> and over and over. Um, so nice story is parents hated that particular song. Uh, I quite like it. I still quite like it all these years <laughs> later. Um, yeah. But yeah, I've had stories of people, I hate you for writing that song. It's like the um, ba Baby Shark song. Oh, yeah. The I, yeah. If I may defend myself <laughs> slightly better. Yeah, I hope. Definitely better. <laughs> I, I hope. I gotta be honest, like as you I'm glad you just broke out into song. Like literally, you almost just brought me brought me to tears. That was good, man. That's that made me happy, <laughs> well, man. Well, I mean, and the nice stories, in fact, the, the one I love snow, uh, we got an email from a, a lady in Canada and she said, We walked out into the snow from the supermarket and my child just started singing. I love snow, I love it so, I love snow. That's not the right melody, but close enough. Um, not, not the yellow snow, though, not the yellow snow. Not the yellow snow, definitely <laughs> not the yellow snow. Uh, and uh. another a grandmother who uh, looked after her autistic grandchild, who was 25 years old, and she said, it's the only thing I can get him to sit in front of for more than three seconds. Uh, and another grandma who said, Thanks to your blue dog and yellow koala, my child now, my grandchild sorry, now says please and thank you. Um, so kind of, I, I was really, really happy. I mean, the, the, the heartbreaking thing That's is I now no longer do it. But uh, it, it brought me into the digital marketing world because when I then needed a job, when that fell apart, I just said to people, 
I got a million visits a month from Google for this kid's site. I can do the same thing for your company. Please give me a job. And they did. Oh, that's great. Um, so the, the show, was it only on the internet or was it on you know television also? Uh, no, we made a TV series for ITV International. Uh, it was in 25 countries, Poland wow. and Israel, New Zealand. New Zealand, we were quite famous. Um, that's great. There's a, oh, in America, it came out, but only in Spanish for some mm. reason. Uh, it's, it's on terrestrial TV in America in Spanish to this day. I've actually seen that it was playing a, a while back on some ob- obscure cable channel in Spanish. Um, we did a French and an English version, and we did the, the voices for both. I'm bilingual French. My wife is French. Uh, not bilingual English, but good enough to get by as a yellow koala, if you see what I mean. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we made a TV series, and, and it was a lot of fun, and it was quite successful. Reminds me, sounds a little bit like, I think the modern version of something like your show sounds a little bit like Peppa Pig is kind of what I'm, what I'm imagining. I was going to ask, um, do you, like, do you get residuals? It's like from any of this, uh, you know, as they play, play it on TV all these years later. Um, I get tiny amounts of money. Okay. Um, but in fact, sorry, I do say tiny amounts of money. I mean, the the exact amounts aren't actually very interesting, but I wrote all the songs, so I get um, author's rights for the songs. Okay. We wrote all the episodes for the TV series, so we get author's rights for the TV series every time it shows. Uh, and we, we are supposed to get royalties as the creators of the entire concept, but the business person who took it over just doesn't pay. And the company is in Mauritius and taking them to court is a no-hoper. Um, and that's, that's a slightly sad side of it. Um, but in fact, interesting enough, the entire episodes that I was talking, we built the site uh, and ran it from Mauritius, which is just off the coast of Madagascar. So basically our life consisted of living on a desert island with the palm trees and sunshine all year round, building this wonderful world for children um and oh another good story i like this story and if i may tell it because it's really silly it's a bit we we moved into the first house when we got there in in 2000 and the the landlord just left us at the house and he went away and he didn't tell us what the address was so the postman walked by and i said to him could you please tell me what the address of this house is because i want people to be able to write to me and he said oh you don't have an address this is Jean d'Hautman de Villiers, Tamar. And I said, but that's not my name. That's the name of the, the guy who just left me at the house with the keys. And he said, but so there isn't an address. And I said, oh, can I, can I choose my own address? And he went, yeah. I said, oh, uh, between the sea and the post office. Yeah. And he went, okay. I, oh, 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 right. Oh, can I change it to between the cemetery and the post office? And he said, nope, you've chosen between the sea and the post office. That's your choice and we're not changing it. Uh, and, and as it turns out, because I, I just thought that was so funny and so enjoyable. And what I liked about it is that I'd said one thing and it was the first thing that came into my head and he would not let me change it. It was I mean, basically it was the postman who decided and the postman wasn't, wasn't going to let me change. <laughs> and then we would announce on the site to the kids, please send your drawings for the gallery. Send your drawings of Buwan Kuala to the gallery. The address is Buwan Kuala, between the sea and the post office, Mauritius. And 
<laughs> the parents must have thought this is like Santa Claus. You know, you send it yeah. off and you know that they just sending it to the North Pole. Yeah, <laughs> but the letters got there. I mean, the, the parents oh. would send these drawings in, and you could, you could, you know, they would be going, "Oh, I'm not, I don't, I don't believe it's going to get there." And you would put the the picture up, and they would write to us and say, "I can't believe that I sent a, a picture, my child's precious picture, Buwan Kuala between the sea and the post office, Mauritius, and it got to you." Uh, and that's one of the genius things about Mauritius. It's such it's, a lovely kind of friendly place and terribly small. No postcodes. One of these countries that yeah. they just don't have postcodes. So I, I couldn't fill in forms on web forms. They would say, you have to oh, get a postcode. Yeah. I don't have one. So I would put zero, 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 and they caught onto it. So they wouldn't let me put zero, zero, zero. So I just had to make one up. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like a lot of sites these days, like if you want to, pay for something online well guess what we need your your zip code for your credit card or whatever your billing billing address and you can't get through without without any of that oh my gosh so, so yeah, when I, you were, I, excuse me yeah sorry i was gonna say when you were building the site and and building all that like did you have seo in your mind at all or were you just passionately building something for kids and not even thinking of seo at the time well in fact basically what happened is the group split up and that, that's the classic kind of rock group thing, the group split yeah. up, the group split. And it's that kind of big moment. I mean, you know all about <laughs> it, man. Jeff is going, yeah, I know about this. Um, and you're left standing on your own. You think, well, what am I going to do now? And um, my, we, my wife and I decided to have a baby. And she had a really good job as a graphic designer. She was the, actually, it's more than a graphic designer. She was, uh, hang on, what was it? Creative director for one of the biggest advertising firms uh, for employment in France. So she had a proper job and I was suddenly, A, I didn't have a proper job to start with and B, I didn't have a job at all anymore. Uh, and so she, obviously, I was, I was going to say, she had the baby and then just kind of handed Lilu, my baby, my daughter, my baby daughter, ooh, she's 23 now, uh, handed her over to me and I looked after her for the first three years, um, which I really loved. Uh, and my ex-wife went off to work, made the money, and that was a really beautiful time. Uh, but, you know, obviously looking after one child, one baby, uh, doesn't occupy you 24 hours a day. Um, yeah. And so I thought, oh, what can I do? Oh, I'll write some songs for kids. So I wrote some songs for kids, recorded them, uh, tried to get the record companies to release. And they said, you can't release it because you're a punk. And so all the people I knew in the music industry just said, nope, don't want to know anything about you. Off you go. You're a punk. We can't release a children's song album from you. Uh, so then I thought, right, uh, my wife suggested she would write a story. So she wrote a story called Around the World in 12 Songs in Buwankwala. So we built the 12 songs into this Around the World story. Made a book, uh, got Sir Tony Robinson to narrate the book. Very famous Sir Tony Robinson, delightful chap. Um, and took it to the, the book publishing companies who then said, nope, we've had pairs of characters, Tom and Jerry, pairs of characters all over the place. No reason this would work better than any other one. We're not interested. And I said, I'm going to make this work. So I bought a copy of, of Macromedia Flash when it was Flash 3, and it still didn't even have ad action scripts. It was in 1998. and just built the site, um, learned how to do it and built the site. And then and we started to attract people. Of, you know, I, I figured out Google. At the time, it was Alta Vista and um, Lycos and... Medallion and like, it wasn't called that. It was Excite, Yahoo, Yahoo, the old Yahoo, Hotbot, yeah. 
I'm sorry, I'm just listing them now. I had a competition with Bill Swowski <laughs> of trying to name them. Um, and he won, of course. He would. Of course, yeah. Um, he do all the patents too. <laughs> uh, and then uh, we moved to Mauritius. And I was looking around for, basically my idea was, I'll move to Mauritius, get somebody to, to do all the code. I'll just do the blue dog and I'll have a really good time. And I didn't realize until I got to Mauritius, very stupidly, that there weren't any qualified developers there. And anybody who's actually any good at developing wouldn't stay in Mauritius. They'd go somewhere else because Mauritius pays very little. You know, pay in Mauritius for most people is very low. So I then had to learn to code. And what I would do is advertise a job very vaguely. Basically, I, mean, I would make up a job and then just see who applied. And whoever I liked best, whoever I thought I would be able to get on with, I gave them a job and then we sat down and said, right, what can you actually do? <laughs> <laughs> and we built the job around what the people could do rather than the other way around. And one of the guys, absolutely nuts, a lovely chap, absolutely delightful. And he said, and this was in 2000 and halfway to, through 2000, he said, I can, with Excel, I can work out what the weighting density for the words needs to be in any given page. And I said, off you go. Do it. And he locked himself in his office for a month. And he worked, He had this Google spreadsheet. Sorry, it wasn't Google. It was a Microsoft went, uh, spreadsheet. Phenomenally complicated. And he worked it all out by hand. I mean, complete opposite of Hamlet Bast- Batista. Whereas Hamlet would do it properly, like using a computer to do the shit. He would do it by hand using uh, Word. Uh, sorry, not Word. What's it called? Uh, the other one, Excel. And... Well, it, it was it was kind of like this kind of bear appearing out of his office when he opened the door and they said, I have it in my hand, the formula. And uh, and he applied it and it was it was perfect. And I basically we started doing them all. And I just said, let's just focus on Google because you don't have the time to do this and write yeah. the pages. And so we just focused on Google and that was a lucky decision or a good decision, depending on how you want to see it. Um, and so he had a formula for keyword density that was phenomenally powerful and very successful, done with his own little hands uh, in, a, in, a, in a spreadsheet. And uh, one of the pages that he, he ranked, it was for the term kids games. And he built it in 2001 and it was still ranking number one for kids games two years ago. And that's, that's just stunning. I mean, obviously, yeah, wow. his formula was no longer playing such a big role, or even a role at all, probably. But it had got so much history, so many links, so much mm-hmm. going on that the page actually kind of ended up staying there for, for well beyond the, its nat- natural life. Um, so I didn't intend to do SEO. And then we built a team to do the SEO. And we ended up with, ended up with a million visits a month from Google. Um, a lot of it based on that and a lot of it based on uh, a wider range of keywords because we had a thousand games and songs and we then had a title for the kids and another title for Google, which would be classic SEO. Um, and we, I had somebody just somebody else who turned up at the company and I said, find the keywords, rewrite the title so they correspond to what Google's looking for. Um, and it worked incredibly well. So um, I, th- I suppose my my best skill in SEO. Oh dear, I've just I've just done myself out. My best skill in SEO was actually just finding people who could do these very specific things, and I didn't do anything. So I'm achieving <laughs> a fraud, yeah. and I do apologise. 
Well, we were uh, we read a tweet from a couple of weeks ago uh, that was uh, something to the effect of those who can't do SEO podcast. So here we are. <laughs> we're cheats and frauds, too. <laughs> Wonderful. Oh man, yeah. Well, I hope well, I that mean, stories kind of cheered everybody up. And, and oh and, my gosh, yeah. Steve Jobs didn't do any of the code, right? So at Apple, so it's <laughs> no, true, a, true, true. There is something to be said for people that are able to find talent uh, in other people. That is a special, uh, a special skill as well. For well, sure. I've, I, actually, interestingly enough, um, literally, I was talking to Bibby, the link builder. Do you know her? She's a Dutch link builder. She's delightful and she's a great singer and she's really good at her job. And I think she's wonderful. So I'm going to be I, some, somebody I would like to hug as well. Um, <laughs> and she suggested to me to uh, basically the Cali Cube tool, which is uh, my company. Basically, what I now do is specialize in optimizing brand SERPs. So it's what I've done is now specialized in SEO that isn't really SEO. Uh, so it's optimizing what appears when somebody searches your brand name, when your audience searches your brand name. So it's all bottom of the funnel stuff. People are about to convert. The most important people for your business could be a prospect. Clients search your brand name to navigate to your site. Journalists, potential hires, all of these people. Incredibly important to your business. So what they see is very important. And SEOs tend to say to me, oh, that's really simple. I could do that in a week and then I would, well, in even in a day. And what I've discovered is it's actually much more interesting than it at first appears. Um, so it seems very boring. It seems very simple, but it's actually very intricate, goes a long way beyond what you might imagine and is actually very interesting. And also knowledge panels, which are on the right-hand side. Uh, when you search brands, you'll often see a knowledge panel, not the Google My Business, which is local SEO stuff, but the, the knowledge panel, which is Google's understanding about who you are and what you do. And I have figured out, or I'm working on figuring out how to trigger and optimize those. So how to get them for your brand and how to optimize them. And the problem is it's really, really boring to do. Um, it's phenomenally uninteresting work. And so what I've done is I've built the machine that does a lot of the work for you. And I'm now building up a team of people to help me uh, train the machine because we obviously need data um, yeah human curated data. So I've actually employed a team to start curating the data to make sure that I can get a machine that will actually do this right so that we don't have to do this boring work. Um, that's, and that's, it's done that's, really, really well. Sorry. It's work that's that's tough, right? I was actually just in a, a chat last night on the new Clubhouse app. I've been, I just got invited oh, wow, yeah. two days Everyone's ago. Talking and, about that. Yeah, and then they, but there was a whole conversation about optimizing for knowledge graph and mm -hmm. like, you know, uh, besides Wikipedia, that was the kind of the question, like besides Wikipedia, what are some other things we can do? And, um, but then we all went through our stories about our Wikipedia nightmares and uh, half of the panel was banned from Wikipedia. So it's, uh, it's well, one of those, that, but the knowledge panel is one of those where I've given it structured data. I've, you know, if I, before I got banned from Wikipedia, I've updated that. Like, how can I get this? I've had some companies actually have like, the wrong company show up for their name that was like similarly showed up and it was just like why why well this is exactly the kind of thing i can fix i can trigger That's them great. and i can fix them and i can deduplicate them when you've got multiple ones around when the wrong one wrong wrong one appears in the wrong country if the wrong telephone numbers are appearing all of this is stuff that you can i like to say educate google 
you're basically just explaining to Google and Wikipedia, as you rightly said, is the easy option, but it actually isn't the easy option because you've got the editors and rightly so stopping you putting on this stuff that isn't interesting for humans. Wikipedia is an encyclopedia for humans and I messed around with it. They deleted all my pages. So, you know, I've, I've got nothing uh, to, to be superior yeah. about here. But the fact so- they deleted them taught me how to do it properly without Wikipedia or even Wikidata for that matter. And the blue dog and yellow koala are now coming back in their glory is I've spent the last seven months with WordLift building an entity-based content model for my podcast on one side, but also the family tree for Google. And I've fed Google the family tree of the blue dog and the yellow koala. And now if you search for daddy koala, instead of just seeing a koala, you see the yellow character, who's koalas for other. And it's, it's got a picture of him, Daddy Koala, fictional character, uh, part of series, Boo and Koala, fictional universe, significant other, Mummy Koala. Genius. Love it. I just love the fact that Google's saying significant other of Daddy Koala is Mummy Koala. And who's the significant other of Grandma Koala? Grandpa Koala. And so what I've done with WordLift and the, the, the tool that they have for... for Uh, for WordPress, is build a family tree for Google. And it goes beyond that idea. You're saying structured data, and yes, structured data is the foundation. But there are a couple of things. One, give your entity a home. Google needs to know what the source of information it, it should be looking at. So it comes to me for information about these characters, despite the fact that I don't actually own them. I just created them. They belong to a business, so the, the home should really be there. But Google has seen that I've provided reliable information over a period of time, so it now trusts me. So I've fed it the family tree on pages and using schema, and then I've gone out and I've corroborated that information on multiple other sites that it trusts, including fandom, including um, music brains, because they were musical artists too, and managed to create this family tree in Google's brain. So Wikipedia and Wikidata, obviously very important, obviously very influential, but absolutely not necessary anymore. So so let me back the discussion out because I want to kind of complete your arc. So you you went from, I I guess I would say, uh, working working on the blue dog, yellow koala. And it sounds like you're still kind of still kind of working on it uh, (laughs) into kind of a more traditional SEO, SEO existence, right? Um, How did that, how did you progress into more of the traditional SEO side of things? And then what ended up leading you to found uh, Calicube? Right. Well, uh, disaster, basically. Um, (laughs) The, well, like the group split, uh, the yellow dog and blue Koala. No, the blue dog and the yellow koala. I'm getting it wrong now. Crumbs. Um, my business partner at the time, let, let's say he wasn't the nicest chap. Uh, he was a businessman, pure businessman. And I I think, honestly, I went a little bit mad. Uh, I, be, I became, in my mind, to some extent, the blue dog. Um, and he took advantage of that. Uh, I became kind of this naive elderly, older brother, very, very, very bizarre. Like, you don't want to dig into my psyche. You really don't. Um, and so he t- basically took the company from me. Uh, it was it was a partnership. He ended, he managed to get the company from me. Mauritian law isn't terribly reliable, uh, to say the very least. Uh, 
Uh, so I found myself destitute wouldn't be the word, but certainly no company, no income on the on the desert island in the middle of nowhere. Oh, Christ. <laughs> With a wife and young daughter, uh, I was basically pooped. I was seriously in trouble. And that was when I just, I reached out to people uh, on People people Per Hour, a British company, uh, for the equivalent of Fiverr, but not quite as cheap, luckily for me. Uh, and just said, I can do SEO. Look what I did, which is what I said earlier on. And I got jobs doing SEO uh, remotely because I couldn't get off the island. Um, so I was doing work remotely for three years and I never met one of my clients. I was, I was already doing what we're doing today. Um, and managed to make a living, managed to make enough money to get off the island, come back to France. And when I got back to France, I could start going and seeing the, 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 the clients. And I would go into these meetings and I've, I've got lots of kind of energy and I'm terribly enthusiastic and, you know, people, oh, yeah, let's go and do this. And I would end the, the meeting going, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. I'm going to lead you through it. I'm going to show you exactly what needs to be done to make your company dominate your market on Google. Woo-hoo! And I would walk out thinking, that's a sale. And 50% of the time I lost the sale. And I was going, oh, that's strange. And then some of the clients who did sign up with me said, do you know what we did as soon as you walked out of the room? We Googled your brand name, your name, sorry. And, oh, you're a blue dog. And it occurred to me that people wouldn't trust me if they thought I was just this cartoon blue dog voiceover actor person. Um, And it's true. And they're just going, yeah, he's very convincing, but he's just an actor. He's a blue dog actor. We don't want to work with a blue dog actor. We want somebody who actually knows what they're doing. Um, so I just set about then optimizing my own personal brand SERP so that the digital marketing stuff came up and that they would look at it and things like Search Engine Journal w- would appear or SEMrush or um, or the or my Twitter boxes where I can tweet about digital marketing. And what they then saw was something much more convincing in the current environment. And the blue dog was relegated to the um, knowledge panel where it still says, you know, Jason Barnard, Blue dog, no problem. But it's a little bit, so it's a fun part that people kind of think is nice. Um, Blue dog, punk rocker. Exactly. Thank Sorry. you very much. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and what then happened? I mean, I don't have exact figures, but basically, rather than signing fifty percent, I started signing eighty uh, percent. And then the other interesting thing is people stopped arguing about my prices. People before would always say, "Oh, you know, do it half price; it'll be all right." And they stopped because I looked so convincing as a digital marketer. Whereas before, they looked at me and said, he's a blue dog. He's going to give us a 50% discount. Um, And that made me realize how incredibly important it was. And I started working for clients doing that. Uh, And it's been been an awful lot of fun. I mean, seven years of doing this, uh, I've seen more different weird brand SERPs than you can possibly shake a stick at. More knowledge panels. I've probably triggered 500 knowledge panels in the last seven years. Uh, most of it without Wikipedia, some of it with Wikipedia. Um, and it's been an incredibly interesting journey because what I actually had to do was, because very few companies would pay for that service over the last seven years, I only did it about half the time. And the other half I was doing more traditional SEO, which actually makes a lot more money because it's got more immediate value for the boss. Uh, so I kind of segued through that. And literally two years ago, uh, my financial situation became 
stable after the disaster that was Mauritius from a financial standpoint. Mauritius is absolutely lovely and we had a great time there. <laughs> All good memories. Just that 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 period of time. And I was talking to Joost de Valk and Jono Alderson. I went and did an academy episode for them. And basically they said, you know, where have you come from? You've complete, completely come out of left field. We never heard of you before. And all of a sudden, we see you all over the place. And the answer was that, is that I never had the time to do anything except work. Um, and now I can actually do some nice things like this, which is talk to people. And I, I could afford myself the time to say, I don't want to take all these SEO clients. I'm just going to focus on brand search and knowledge panels. And this, it's finally, finally hitting the... I don't know what you'd call it, the takeoff point. The... Tipping point. Thank you very much. You're very good there at you go. this. <laughs> I, I, I honestly think 2021, we're hitting the tipping point. John Mueller from Google was saying that we should be looking for pull queries. What he means by pull queries is actually brand queries and specifically exact match brand queries because that's a strong signal to Google, obviously, that people are interested in your brand. Uh, and once they do search your brand, you want it to look really good. So... Bob's your uncle. I'm, I'm, I'm in the right place at the right time. And somebody actually asked John Mueller, how can I influence what's in a knowledge panel? And he replied, I actually don't know how that works. But if you look at Jason Barnard's work, he's probably got a good idea, which is, is my giggly yeah, Man, That's got to feel really good. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I giggled like a schoolgirl and uh, didn't sleep uh, for a night or two because John Mueller said I was cool. Ooh. Yeah, that's funny. I, I, I certainly I've never been, uh, you know, publicly referenced by by John, but I will say getting the the Twitter follow and seeing him kind of like some of my tweets in the Page Two mm. podcast tweets every now and then. It, I, I don't know if those Google people have an idea of how like giddy us like regular SEO people get. It's almost like they're like to use the band right, like they're rock stars, and we're just like they're you know, their, their fan club. And it's, you know, one, when yeah, the, yeah. the rock star, to, you know, tosses their uh, guitar pick into the crowd and you happen to catch it or whatever. It's like, you know, it's pretty cool. So. Yeah. I, I think kind of a lot of it, uh, we, we are giggly schoolgirls, <laughs> but um, the, 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 the point, I think that the, the important point is it's validation that we're talking right. sense. Yes. Uh, and, and from a, a purely business point of view, of course, that's incredibly important because my credibility goes up as soon as I get that. I mean, mm. it's not approval, but it, it's, it's uh, reference to, you know, I'm one of, I'm one of the people you could talk to about this um, and it's it's it's. I think it's definitely important. I'm also working for Yoast on their brand search and knowledge panels, not because they need it in the sense that it's bad, but they realise how important it is. And when you get Yoast Valk saying, "I think this is important, and I'm willing to work with Jason Barnard on this," yeah, yep. that that that's another that's another big piece of validation that isn't from Google, but is from I think somebody who knows what they're talking about. One thing I've always, and this is, I think, a good segue, um, and then I do want to get to kind of the end of episode uh, stuff that, you know, kind of section that we're planning on planning on doing. Um, I personally struggle with the balance between the day-to-day -day work, and you just kind of referenced it, and having enough time to spend on brand building as it relates to my personal brand, which then I, I see as a way to extend that to the company I work for, which is search discovery. But, you know, I see other, I see other SEOs 
um, who are, they just, maybe they're, maybe they're, maybe they're good at really good at scheduling, or maybe they really are spending, uh, you know, a lot of time on Twitter and or writing content for these, for these publications. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've often asked myself, like, how do they do that? Like, how do they do that? How, like, is it just that they go that far, way farther above and beyond than, than I'm willing to go? Or is it that their, their company gives, says, Hey, we're going to say that we want you to spend 80% of your time on billable work and the other 20% of your time on growing your personal brand so that you can, you know, uh, you know, by proxy grow our brand within the industry. And that's something that I've personally always struggled with that balance. And it seems like you've been able to uh, kind of figure out what that balance looks like for yourself enough to get, uh, you know, recognition within the, within the industry. So I would just ask you, you know, from your perspective for somebody like myself or other people in the industry that are, that are looking to kind of grow their personal brand. um, What has worked for you? What does that balance look like for you? Um, Well, I I think kind of, it's an interesting point because I I look at other people and I think, where do you find the time? (laughs) Uh, I mean, Andrea Volpini from Wordlift is one. Aleda Solis is another. Where do they find the time to all this stuff? Um, And (laughs) from from my perspective, I think I'm never doing enough. Um, But obviously I'm doing a decent amount. But I think the balance is very different for everybody. I think, for example, Bill Slavsky spends pretty much all of his time for GoFish Digital doing the research and talking to people and getting the word out. And they see it as uh, a way for them to learn, to get better at their craft and to get the word out there. And he's a great ambassador. I mean, he's an amazing person. And get well soon, Bill, as well, by the way. And uh, somebody like Elayda Solis, who's an independent she has her own company. Heaven knows where she finds her time. Uh, she manages it. Lily Ray, we mentioned earlier on, she writes loads of articles, brilliant stuff. Uh, she's director of an agency. So the answer is I actually don't know. What I do know for myself, from my own perspective, is uh, I, I left the UK to join the punk folk band, took a big risk, uh, went to Mauritius to do this Blue Dog and Yellow Koala, took a big risk. And, and, and it, for, for me, it's really been saying, I'm willing to take the risk to cut off 50. I, last year, I cut off 50% of my clients. I just stopped. And my, my accountant rang me up last week and shouted at me for um, half an hour. She's, she's absolutely lovely. She, she shouted at me because she cares, which I think is delightful. I mean, don't particularly like being shouted at, but... Um, and she just said, you know, your, 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 your income is, your, your revenue has just completely gone down the pan. What are you doing? Um, and she knows that it's not because of the COVID problem. It's because I chose to do that. Uh, and I'm saying, hang on. I know this is going to work. It, the, the idea of brand SERPs and knowledge panels and managing them and optimizing is going to catch on. People are going to believe in it. And CaliCube platform is going to take off. You've just got to hold your breath a little bit. Um, and uh, part of that has been getting out there and doing lots of interviews and getting my podcast and and spending an awful lot of time promoting the idea that brand SERPs and knowledge panels are important Uh, and it's it's taken me the entire year and literally 50% of my daily working life so you referenced a, a podcast. I hope I what? got it right. Oh, I'm in trouble. 
Oh my god. Excuse me. I, I no. do apologize. I interrupted. No. Um what uh what is the name of your podcast in case uh some of our listeners want to kind of pop over there and listen to yours? Uh Cali Cube Digital Marketing with Jason Barnard. Excellent. And I'm I'm gonna assume it's on all of the plat all of the, the yes. platforms, so on and so forth. Uh you know, d- syndication and distribution is actually really, really easy these, these days, as long as you're on, you know, one of the, you know, uh, podcasting platforms, we use Simplecast, yeah. a- Anchor uh, is a great uh, free platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, we used to, to be on uh, there, Libsyn, I believe does, uh, that's more of an old school uh, platform, but it does uh, does the syndication, the syndication parts uh, actually really easy. So actually that was probably a stupid question <laughs> on my part. <laughs> Um, Interesting enough, I mean, kind of the syndication is actually very simple. Getting people to actually know about your podcast is the complicated part, the marketing part. Yes. And um, what I'm hoping, and this is is once again building for the future, wasting my time in the present. Uh, Not wasting my time in the present. Doing things for the present that will pay in the future, I hope. And it's um, the idea that Google Discover is... The, one of the ways forward and Google Discover is basically it understands its users and it's trying to understand the world and what the world can offer its users and if it can understand my podcast what I have on my podcast what it has to offer it can potentially push that towards somebody who's interested in marketing or digital marketing so the um, the idea from my perspective is like I built the family tree for the blue dog and the yellow koala is build the family tree for the podcast, which is the podcast with an episode, which is an entity within the entity of the, the episode. We have the person who is the guest, who's an entity, the topic, who's an entity, part of the topic layer. And we build all this out so that Google has these enormous opportunities once it has understood what the podcast's about, which episodes are in it, who appears, what they're talking about to be able to use that in the in the push technology that they're building. And I would assume, and this is what where WordLift comes in, I've built an internal knowledge graph that I can now feed to all the different machines, be it Microsoft, Apple, um, Amazon, and so on and so forth. And it's it's incredible, once again, incredibly boring, intricate work, but it's building up this yeah. understanding for Google with the corroboration that the understanding that I'm feeding it is true. So I'm educating it. So is this all being done in something like JSON, like schema work, yeah. or is it okay? Well, WordLift is a is a is a is a schema markup plugin for WordPress, and in fact, they now work on other things than WordPress. But uh, whereas something like Schema App, who's a great Canadian company, you probably know, they do schema for schema's sake. They do the schema and it's brilliant. It's really, really well done. Uh, Yoast do schema as well, very well. But WordLift for me, take it a step further is they say, okay, we're going to build the schema, but actually what we're building is the internal knowledge graph and we drive the schema from the internal knowledge graph, but it's the internal knowledge graph that's the important part, not the schema in yep. and of itself. Then we can push that out to the open graph, which is where all these machines are getting all their information from. So for me, it's, it's, it's taking the eye. Well, schema is the vehicle as opposed to the, what is it? No, I don't know what it is. Oh, I, I can't get an analogy there. It's it's the vehicle that carries the message rather than the right. message itself. Does no, I always worried about, yeah, I always worried about like schema for schema's sake, right? So it's, as I'm, you know, I'm an internal uh, company now, but when I was at Agency World, I was always worried that I was giving, like, I'm just doing schema work for work's sake, just so I can show something. But it's like, what was the... 
you know, I gave organization schema, I gave, you know, different like location schema, but it's like, what was the schema that actually worked to give me a benefit? Like what enhanced my listings? And, and that's really what I was like going after. So I, I love that idea that it's, well, you know, this is schema for a direct purpose and not just to have uh-huh. like some schema on there, just to have schema on there. I know. I, I, sorry, I think you said that really well. And uh, I think this is a really nice place to end it because I, schema for schema's sake is all well and good. And you can get your rich snippets and all that's lovely. And your boss is terribly pleased because he, he or she can see it. Uh, but the fundamental reason for writing your schema is to organize your content uh, and the content, the content model, the content is driving that schema. And what I did find when I was writing the schema for the podcast and for the family is I hadn't understood myself what entities I was talking about, what attributes they had, and what the relationships were between them. And writing the schema helped me to understand that. And I think that's uh, an interesting part of schema. Oh, the, the part of schema that actually can be quite interesting is discovering oneself what one has. So lovely, lovely way to end that. Educate Google using schema and corroboration. And schema is fun. Schema is fun. I will say some of my favorite days as an SEO, um, there's a lot of things that go into SEO is uh, when I can sit and write structured data and just block everything, everything else at that's, those are some of my more enjoyable, enjoyable days. Um, So that was great. I think uh, I want to move into the last part of the, the episode. Normally this is the part of the episode where we've asked Twitter questions to the community. We award, uh, we award some, some merchandise today. It's going to be a little bit different uh, in light of uh, the passing of Hamlet Batista. And I thought that it could be a fitting tribute to him to just read, uh, read off uh, some of the, the tweets. We certainly haven't captured everything. Um, I, I, you know, I picked a handful that I thought were, uh, were really good and spoke to his impact on the industry as well as us personally. And I, I thought it would be nice to just end the episode like that. Cool. So uh, I, I think we can, we can alternate. So I think this all kind of kicked off um, and I'm going to apologize if I, if I butcher uh, this person's name, uh, William Galan, Galan, uh, this is how I personally found out seeing people um, tweet uh, this particular uh, retweet this particular tweet. Uh, so he says, "My boss, a great man, a teacher, a great coder, a father, and an entrepreneur. Rest in peace, Hamlet Batista. May God bless your soul and your family." So Jeff, you the next one? Yeah, yeah. Mara Lowe, uh, she's up. Sure, he not sure. Uh, operations manager at RankSense wrote, you know, it's immeasurable grief that we share uh, that our founder and CEO Hamlet Batista has passed away. Um, to me, that's like the the other aspect of this is like his whole company, right? It's like going through that. So I I really read a lot of the anyone who's posted from there. Um, yep. Hamlet was an incredible gifted individual, a U.S. genius visa holder. He migrated from the Dominican Republic and co-invented Altrix page um, priority, enterprise level SEO software. Um, He's automated resolutions of sites, architecture and issues. He later founded RankSense, um, our agile SEO platform that accelerates the typical SEO process. He was a visionary, a thought leader, an inventor, a renowned SEO expert and respected speaker and author. 
Um, no words can express our sorrow over Hamlet's passing, our gratitude for having walked with him. Uh, we've lost a humble, generous, brilliant soul, a mentor, a friend, but his legacy of service and excellence lives on in our team. Our dedication to you as our customers and as part of the tech and SEO ecosystem that he loves so much. Let's remember his light and keep his family and loved ones in our hearts as we navigate these difficult days. Jason, you want to jump in and read the read the next? Yeah. I just figured we could alter alternate. <laughs> sure, Livy Ray, uh, me hermano. I prayed all day and night for twenty days, but I guess it wasn't enough. There's nothing short of sweet I can say because I could write entire books about you. I love you more than anything, Hamlet Batista. I will never forget you as long as I live. Daniel K. Chung. Hmm. I never met you, Hamlet Batista. I'm and I'm not into Python. Yet you have impacted so many. I both teared up and smiled reading this beautiful tribute by Lily. Gianna Luca wrote, today is one of the saddest days of our industry. Hamlet left us. He was a strong, good person who I was lucky enough to know. Uh, my thoughts cannot go out to his family um, and his dearest friends. Nos formanos para hablar de Python juntos <laughs> en Los Angeles. I'm not very good. I'm not very good at Spanish. <laughs> Mike oh, King. Man. Uh, yo, Hamlet Batista was literally the best of us. Genuine dude, smart as hell, always cool, calm, and collected. This is so bad. Don Anderson, this is devastating news. Kind, thoughtful, wonderful mind, innovative, disruptive genius, our favorite SEO. Rest in peace. Ren Fishkin wrote, awful news. Hamlet was always so kind to us. It contributed such wonderful work to the field. Please, if you have details to share about a memorial or charities he'd want to see supported, do let us know. And again, I'll quickly point out, uh, he's got to go fund me. Now, I'm not necessarily sure about uh, any charities that he might have wanted uh, people to donate to, but there is a GoFundMe yeah. uh, in memory. We pointed to that at the beginning of the episode. Uh, again, if you just go to Google search Hamlet Batista GoFundMe, it's, uh, it's being organized by Lily Ray. Um, again, please go and donate. Brilliant. Matt Nagun. I really don't know what to say right now. Hamlet Batista did so much for the SEO and digital marketing industry. Had the pleasure of meeting him at Tech SEO Boost. Such a genuine, smart and giving soul. He will be incredibly missed. Much love to his family. David Sotomano, Hamlet Batista leaving us doesn't feel real. He was just getting started. In his honor, I promise to help as many people as I can, especially with programming, with, which is his passion. My DMs are open. Rip amigo. Uh, te extra I I can't do this. I can't. I can't do the Spanish, so I'm not even going to try. Te extra namaros mucho, mucho is the best thank I can you. do. There we go. Yes. Uh, Alida Solis wrote, "As many of you, I've been thinking a lot about Hamlet, an inspiring colleague, mentor, leader, friend. I was fortunate to get to know him and call him a friend after being to share my to share many times. Three words come to my mind when I think of him: warmth." passion and innovation. I, I will add to that hugs too, please. Hugs. 
Ashley Hugs. Burnham Hale, maybe today is a bad day to nitpick numbers because we're reeling from the not insignificant loss of Hamlet Batista. I'm not good at processing grief. Numbers give me comfort. Raising hell gives me energy, and Hamlet loved it when I went on my feisty rants on Twitter. Lovely. Thought that was a good one. Uh, Brittany Muller, uh, how lucky we were to have Hamlet Batista, an absolute gift to our industry. Hamlet, one of the brightest minds our industry has ever seen, had a way of leaving others feeling that they mm. are the gifted ones. And she, um, that was a thread. So there, there was certainly more uh, there if you want to go read it. Uh, Jeannie Hill, um, like you, uh, I guess it's Gary's Twitter. Hamlet opened up my eyes to how important learning Python is. I can hardly measure all that he contributed to my evergreen passion for learning more about search. Brilliant. Nikki Mosier, I struggled with what to post because I don't know or didn't know Hamlet Batista well, but the two brief interactions I had with him definitely left an impression. It speaks volumes to his character and who he was as a human to see the obvious impact he had on our industry based on the volume of tweets. Yeah, and I will say that that, um, that tweet in particular, I think most personifies my uh, personal uh, feelings. It, it's It's been, again, um, a little bit weird for me because it's not like we were close, close friends. I'd only met him twice, uh, just like Nikki, um, but to see the impact he had on others uh, and just the way that this, that this happened um, it's impacted me um, tremendously. And I know that it's impacted a lot of other, um, a lot of other people. So I felt like probably the most appropriate way, and I'm going to struggle. I'm going to struggle with this one uh, to end the episode uh, was to read Lily Ray's, and I may not even be able to get through it, but to read Lily Ray's tribute on Search Engine Journal about Hamlet. I think maybe, you know, she was one of the people that were um, more close to him uh, within the within the industry. Um, so it, I, I thought it was a really, uh, really touching tribute. So I'm going to do my best to read it. Um, if I can't get through it, um, just go to Search Engine Journal and read it. It it, it will both make you sad and hopefully brighten um, brighten your day as a as a beautiful tribute. Whew. Um, Hamlet, me hermano, where do I begin? There was always something special about you. I can see from the outpouring of messages from our community that I'm most certainly not the only one who felt this way. Your radical kindness, compassion, and positivity at all times. I'm sorry, you radiated kindness, compassion, and positivity at all times. You couldn't hurt a fly. All you knew was love. The first time I saw you speak, I remember thinking to myself, how is it possible that there's an SEO from the tri-state area dropping this much knowledge and we aren't friends yet? Well, we quickly fixed that. But what I didn't know that day was how close of friends we would one day become and how special of a bond it would be. Our nerdy obsession with SEO was surely what built the foundation of our friendship, but it evolved into so much more than that as we got to know each other better. Your story is just astounding. We sat on my rooftop on a very hot and sticky New York City summer day, and you told me your full history of what it was like for you to bring your family here from the Dominican Republic. You had become a super successful digital marketer way back in the very early days of SEO, and it was a surreal and almost frightening experience for you to become that successful while living in the Dominican Republic, and all just from working on computers. Perhaps it was this experience that started your ongoing 
parentheses, bad habit of never fully believing how brilliant and talented you were. You got your U.S. genius genius visa because you were labeled an alien of extraordinary ability, and that ability was SEO. It reads as somewhat of a bizarre title to me, but at the same time, it's absolutely fitting for you. I always said you were from another planet after all. So you brought your family from the Dominican Republic to New York City and lived on the West Side for a while. It was Hell's Kitchen, if I remember correctly. I remember you saying you didn't like living there, but I don't blame you. Who likes living in Hell's Kitchen as a family of four? So the next step was to bring uh, the family out to New Jersey, where you bought a home in a lovely suburban area that you referred to as the forest. It was almost, uh, it was most definitely not a forest. I enjoyed that you were able to give me a brief tour of the Batista household last year. We had just finished lunch. You let me buy you a vegan lunch and you were excited and mildly perplexed about eating so many vegetables and we're actually supposed to be working on a project. Sorry, but you insisted one that you drive my new car around and two that we go drive to your house in the forest for a tour and you know the rule when someone offers you a tour of their house, you can never say no. I feel so lucky that I got to see your house and meet your wife, your kids, and your dog. You were especially excited to show me your new workstation that you had set up with a ring lamp, a professional microphone, a nice big leather chair, and a perfectly positioned piece of art hanging in the background. It was just what you needed given that you were so busy doing a superhuman number of virtual speaking engagements, webinars, podcasts, keynotes, and more, all while running your own business, leading the Python SEO community, and being an amazing father and husband at the same time. I still don't understand how you physically did it all at once. Again, I think you were from another planet. And I love the way we used to text all the time about our crazy schedules and always not understand how the other person did it. You would send me gifts of Wonder Woman and call me La Mujer Maravilla. I don't think I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, And I would reply, well, Hermano, I bet you're just automating your way out of every task. And that's how you're able to do so many things at the same time. Hamlet, I'll never forget what a caring and supportive friend you were to me. You never even thought twice about showing up for me. I had the biggest DJ gig of my life in November of 2019, and you drove all the way from this, uh, from suburban New Jersey, New Jersey to the depths of a dark and sketchy industrial corner of Bushwick, Brooklyn, to come see me play. I didn't believe you when you said you were going to come, but you did. You showed up to a Brooklyn nightclub wearing your sign- signature cardigan sweater and button-up collar uh, combination in a room full of hipsters scantily clad in black leather clothing and dancing to dark blasting techno music. There were lasers, there was fog, the dance floor was sticky, and there was a lot of sweat. I remember the astounded look on your face. We stood on the mezzanine overlooking the dance floor, and you kept telling me you had never seen anything like this place in your life. You said you felt like you were in Blade Runner. <laughs> I'll never forget it. My friends all loved you. To this day, I can't tell you how much it means to me that you came. And that wasn't the only time you came to see me play either. I would be DJing in a Manhattan bar and would be so pleasantly surprised to see my friend Hamlet appear there again, wearing his cardigan with the button up collar. I would try to explain to my bar hopping nightlife friends who Hamlet was and what a legend he was within our nerdy tech community. You don't get it. He's like the guy who runs things in the Python SEO world. They had no idea what I was talking about, but they always loved him regardless. Everyone always loved Hamlet. You didn't stop supporting my DJ career during COVID. Nope, 
you tuned into every single one of my DJ live streams, even if just to send me screenshots of how many people were streaming at the same time. Sometimes when numbers were lower than usual, you would even give me shit about it. <laughs> uh, but when the number of viewers was high, I could feel your vicarious excitement that so many people were tuned in all at once. You never had to do any of that for me, but you always did. Even until the day you were lying in bed at the ICU, you still made a point to tune in and watch my Search Engine Journal eSummit keynote and you stuck around for my virtual DJ set. You insisted on doing all of that from your hospital bed. I will never, ever forget that. I love the way you were such a solid friend and so consistently caring, even when I was having a hard time. I would get stressed out and sometimes even lash out at you when I didn't have time to talk or I was feeling overwhelmed with all the 2020 doom scrolling articles you so loved to send me. I would tell you, Hermano, don't send me anything about politics after 6 p.m., please. Uh, instructions that you very obediently adhered to, but you never stopped checking in on me. I didn't even realize at the time how much I needed a friend like you, someone who never thought twice about calling me, texting me, and FaceTiming me just to talk and make sure I was okay. Hamlet, we had the most special face FaceTime exchange last month in December, just a few nights before you got sick. We both looked like crap lying around in our pajamas, but we shared so many things on that call. I remember thinking, wow, our friendship have, has evolved so much that we are even able to talk to each other this way. You were so excited about 2021 and so proud of how well Rank Sense was doing. You were so excited about your business success in 2020, the new hires you had made, all the incredible things on the horizon for you and the company in 2021. I just remember telling you so many personal things during that call. I remember telling you so much. I was sort of kicking myself thinking I should probably not be sharing this much with him, but I did because that's how much I trusted you. I have no regrets about sharing any of it with you. All you ever did was just be there and just listen as a friend. Hamlet, last year, you just kept outdoing yourself with your new Python innovations and new features for Rank Sense. You were so incredibly excited about it all. You used to tell me you won't believe the next article I'm writing for Search Engine Journal. I'm going to blow people's minds. Actually, that did. Uh, I'm going to stop. That did happen uh, as we were interviewing, uh, interviewing him before we jumped on. Um, and when we talked to him again in December, that's, uh, that did happen to us as well. Uh, and then when it blew people's minds, you couldn't believe it was happening. You would send me screenshots of how many people read it or the fact that John Mueller shared it. I was always like, well, duh, you were brilliant. What else would you expect? You were constantly in disbelief about how incredibly talented and smart you were. You couldn't believe how fortunate you were. You had a beautiful family, a wife you loved very much for decades, two wonderful sons. I still Love that you would send me pics from your biking journeys with them, a prospering business and so much stardom and respect in our community. I kept reminding you, Hamlet, you have all these things because you earn them. You earn them with your compassion, with your genius and with your unrelenting ambition, creativity and dedication. You deserved everything you have and more. Hamlet, there's so much more I could say and I won't stop writing about you. I won't stop telling the world about you. I won't stop advocating for your tool rank sense. I feel so blessed that we had this friendship and I am so immensely sad that it has come to a sudden and unexpected end. And I know it's not just me. There are thousands of stories like mine. You touched so many lives of so, or I'm sorry, you touched the lives of so many people for so many years. This loss will be immense and your presence will never be forgotten. I'm not gonna be able to do, to do the Spanish, but I'm gonna try. Siempre te voy a queer hermano que 
Descanes en Paz. Not sure what that um, what that means, but I'm sure that it's beautiful. Uh, and uh, Lily Ray, uh, that was a beautiful a beautiful article. Um, and I think that uh, that's a, a very fitting way to to end the art uh, end the the episode. Uh, any any parting words, guys, before we jump off? For me, there's nothing to add to that story. Exactly. All right, let's end there. We'll uh, we'll see everybody next week. R.I.P. Hamlet. Thank you so much for listening to the Page Two Podcast. If you'd like to find out more about the show or listen to new episodes, visit us at page2podcast.fm. That's page, the number two, podcast.fm. Our episodes are also available on a number of other platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, Breaker, Deezer, Overcast, CastBox, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Additionally, you can also listen and watch our show on our YouTube channel or follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, or Facebook. If you'd like to get in touch with us, contact us at thepage2podcast at gmail.com. Until next time... Happy optimizing.